You just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Lawrence goes downfield and the catch is made. Tua goes deep for Waddle. Got him in stride. Touchdown, Alabama. Pat's interference. Jalen Hurts solidified himself. He will go down as probably one of my favorite players of all time. There are two kings of college football, but one of them's wearing the crown. Alabama's offensive coordinator position has become just like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Don't you find it kind of shocking we haven't been taken off iTunes yet? Hey everyone, Christian Miller here, former Alabama linebacker number 47, and you're listening to Pat's Interference. Hey nerds, welcome to year 5 episode 17 of Pat's Interference, your favorite college football podcast. Hope you've had a good couple weeks, sorry we've been MIA, but last week got a little head take with my, my dear co-host Patrick Brickman covering some high schoolers playing football, me dealing with some family things, and my wife getting her wisdom teeth ripped out of her skull. You know, the normal things. The things that make you not podcast for a week. But guess what? We've got plenty of time to talk about stuff now. Yeah, we do. It's only 11.36. That's right. P.M. P.M. We got plenty of time. All night. We got plenty of time. All night. Uh, if you haven't caught on yet, this is a college football podcast. Yep. My name is Patrick Norwood. My my beautiful, lovely co-host, Patrick Brickman. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for asking. How uh, you know, how have you been the last... Uh, I know you said you had some family issues and Jade got her wisdom teeth ripped out of her face, but yep. uh, in between yep. those things, in between those couple things, um, you been good, son? It's, it's good. Um, it's, it's good. It's all good stuff. We're, uh, you know... Uh, well, no, it's not all good stuff. It's been good stuff since... Uh, right before Thanksgiving, my father-in-law broke his hip replacement. Yeah, yeah, you told just me about not, that. Didn't fall, didn't get shot, just walking. Man's just walking down the road, and his hip replacement explodes into a million little pieces. And he probably just looked down and went, mm. "That's uh, like he, this is the tough." I, I met him at the wedding. He's like, "This is like, like imagine, imagine a boulder that was also a marine, and that's yes. his father-in-law." Yes, this this man fought against Saddam Hussein under George Bush one's administration, uh, and was damn good at his job. He's not a weak dude. He's had two knee replacements, two hip replacements, and at the time before this happened, was walking consistently between two and four miles every day, just walking. Well, how's he doing now? Park. How's he doing now? He's he's better the road to recovery has started he was laid up in a hospital bed for six days part of those six days were thanksgiving uh speaking of which everybody hope you had a good thanksgiving so my lovely wife and i were in charge of the meal it was good uh i accidentally fed some family members uh glass on accident yep because the pan broke uh not really that makes it sound way worse than it was it's just like there was like one little crunch and it was it was in my food so it's not that big of a deal i'm not that much of a horrible person but it's okay. Just a little. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 fine. And then, yeah, Jade had her wisdom teeth out last Friday, so it just wasn't a good weekend of podcast, and here we are oh, else, talking about Rivalry yeah, Week and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the committee rankings and uh, the playoff and, and conference championship week. And, buddy, we got the best rivalry in all of sports I, I uh, just a I few days out. I don't, e- I don't even know that there was any kind of games to talk about during Rivalry Week, really. That's kind of why we took the week off. There wasn't really anything big that happened over week 14 of the college football season. It was kind of, you know, quiet, wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty ho-hum. Um, all the, no, we can't do this. Uh, hey, I was just listening to the intro of the podcast, and uh, you made a really funny joke last year that I put in the intro this year about how 
Alabama's defensive coordinator position is becoming like the defense against the dark arts position at Hogwarts. Yeah, offensive coordinator. Um, either one, actually. Let's just call it what it is. Sure. Because guess guess what's probably going to happen again uh, this offseason because of what happened during rivalry week. And we'll go ahead and get into it and rip the Band-Aid off. Brick! Auburn upsets Alabama 48-45. Mac Jones plays his butt off, still throws two pick sixes. We missed a field goal because that's about par for the course there. And Auburn comes out on top and rushes the field because Auburn stuff. Uh, it, it was a painful, rip-your-heart-out type of game, especially when we watched championship week this past weekend, knowing that Alabama probably could have made it to the playoff. Probably wouldn't have done much while they after they got there, but just knowing they could have made it had they just been able to make a couple more uh, plays, uh, execute on a couple more plays, uh, made it all that more painful for us as Alabama alumni. Najee Harris with a big game with 146 yards. Uh, Henry Ruggs leading all receivers with 99 yards. And Mac Jones with 335 yards passing. That tells you how well he did divvying the ball out between all of his big playmakers. Uh, but break this one just came down to a couple of uh, couple of questionable calls from the refs. I'm not going to blame it on that because there are a lot of opportunities for Alabama to make up for it, and they couldn't do it. Um, a couple of questionable play calls, uh, and then obviously the execution issues that I mentioned before, and uh, just bad bounces too. You play in Jordan Hare, weird things are going to happen, like a ball going off your running back's back on the one-yard line and getting taken back 99 yards for a score. So, Brick. Only in the Iron Bowl, Now, the, the, the fallout has occurred. We are now in the nuclear winter if you're an Alabama fan. If you're an Auburn fan, you're also in nuclear winter because this means you're keeping Gus Malzahn. We're sorry. Uh, where does Alabama go from here, buddy? I, I feel like I ask you this every time they lose. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we did th like two or three weeks ago. <laughs> this one feels a little bit different to me. Uh, it's it's It comes with a lot more question marks headed into next season. It comes with a lot more question marks heading into a Citrus Bowl against Michigan that I'm not really sure how much our players are going to be up for if they even step out on the field to play. So, Brick, where does Alabama go from here? Um, I feel like you were more on the spectrum of, of, of I don't know, the worry. You're more, you're higher up on the worry spectrum than I am. Now, it, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was a tough loss to take. Um, really, most of the stuff that I thought would happen in that game were actually pretty true. I didn't expect there to be uh, all those points scored between the two, but I, you know, everybody had stuff to say about Auburn's offense. I thought Bo Nix and company would be fine just based on how weak Alabama's defense has been, stopping the run, stopping everything. And they actually stopped the run mostly pretty well in that game. Um, where do they go from here? They play out this bowl game. Nick Saban has conversations with all the juniors and tries to convince them to come back. Um... Hopefully there's somebody else behind the scenes, maybe a Tua Tonga-Vailoa doing the same. Whatever. I'm not getting into all that. We're not going to argue about which players come back and don't. You get as many of the players back as you can. You get as many players healthy as you can. You try to get Josh McMillan, a sixth year of eligibility and an injury waiver. And um, you bring in this recruiting class, you finish strong, you come back and you motivate the guys. And I don't know that Alabama's doomed. If Tua leaves, then you just lost a transcendent player, but... Alabama's I, really never been that bad off. It's sort of like it. Well, I mean, Bama won five championships under say four championships under Saban without Tua. I think a lot of my worry does not actually come from the loss itself, but looking ahead at the future of Alabama football. Right. So the future of Alabama football we saw that night is Mac Jones and probably the player of the game in my eyes, 
um, Jalen Waddle, who had a kick return touchdown, uh, two or three reception touchdowns, and I forget how many total yards he had, but it was uh, immeasurable. Yeah, astronomical. Um, that's and that's great. But the future of Alabama also showed me a defense that could not get set, that was jumping off sides. This is the most penalizing Nick Saban team had ever been with 12 penalties for how many yards? Close to 100 yards, I believe. I think it was 88. Um, yeah, it's just you, you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, the game ended on a penalty. Um, like I said, we can go over the questionable field goal call at the end of the first half, which was total bullshit. Uh, but again, if you're going to sit here and try and tell yourself that that's the reason Alabama lost the game, you're lying. Uh, Alabama lost the game because nobody executed when they absolutely needed to execute. And that goes all the way up to the coaching staff, too. That doesn't stop at Mac Jones. That doesn't stop at Xavier McKinney. Uh, missing a tackle on a guy that's four inches shorter than him and getting his helmet knocked six yards across the field. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's not guys missing blocks or jumping off sides. It's, uh, it's coaches as well. There's just a lot of questionable play calls. Putting Slade Bolden in the Wildcat, it worked out. It's fine, but it's not great. Making Mac Jones sneak it on third and inches so you have a first and goal right at the 10 isn't very smart to me. There are just a lot of things that I don't really understand from a coaching perspective, and this is probably the most disappointed I was in Alabama's coaching staff since uh, probably the Oklahoma Sugar Bowl uh, loss after kick six. Uh, it just never felt like we really – we were always playing one step behind in the game. It, it just never felt like we were catching up. Anytime that Alabama had a lead, it was off of a turnover or it was off of special teams points. It wasn't – or a good field position from special teams. It wasn't because the offense was executing and the defense was getting stops. It just it the defense was didn't in- get stops all night. I mean, the defense was was absolutely atrocious, and they had been for weeks. Um, right, they were atrocious against so, LSU again. No, but that's that's my worry. Right, is my worry is not so much about this Iron Bowl loss. Yes, it sucks and it's horrible, but it's also Auburn. They've sold their soul to something or somebody that we can't comprehend or understand yet. But at the same time, that's to me, in my eyes, that is the future of Alabama football. You had multiple true freshmen who were starting, and I know they'll get better and they'll develop and everything, and that's great and dandy, but we're also losing some pieces on the uh, defensive line. You're losing a lot of your uh, defensive backfield with guys probably like Xavier McKinney, Shaheem Carter, Trayvon Diggs, all probably leaving. There's one, um, There's really one player that you just named there that I can even think of that, that I think I'm super worried about being gone. There's not a player on the defensive line that's about to leave where I'm Really, all that upset. Even Raekwon Davis, just Anthony Jennings. Anthony Jennings was awesome. I'm not that upset about losing Terrell Lewis. Uh, I'm not all that upset about losing a Trayvon Diggs. I'm not all that upset about losing a Shaheem Carter. We we have we have guys of that talent level coming in and out of this program constantly, constantly, and we're recruiting more. And there's more coming up right now. Some of them had to play earlier than expected. Uh, a couple of them I expect to be good down the line. A couple of them I have less faith in. Um, we got a great recruiting class coming in. It's, you, you have, imagine Dylan Moses coming back would obviously be huge. Uh, Josh McMillan, I've, I've heard from people that are sort of in the know, you know, know these things, sources, if you want to call it that, I don't really like saying sources, but I've talked to people around Alabama as I've spent time there. Most of them expect Josh McMillan to get his, uh, injury waiver. They don't see any reason why he wouldn't, um, if Tate Martell can go to Miami and play immediately, why can't this guy who did actually miss the entire year not get an injury waiver, right? So he's going to, 
and, and you get Ryan Ray back. You put those three guys on that defense against Auburn, and, that, and it looks a whole lot different. It's, sure. It's, it's this upperclassman you're getting back that didn't even play this year. So that's three upperclassmen, and they'll be fine. The, the, I will agree, the defense to get it back to 2014, 2012, 2011 levels, that will be sort of a, a slow climb. A slower climb. It's not going to be overnight, right? Just getting rid of Pete Golding and getting Charlie. I don't think Charlie Strong's coming, but just a name like that. That's not going to immediately fix it, but it'll help. And getting guys back and having another offseason. And these young guys that, you know, we had to start 700 true freshmen. Now they're true sophomores. And then they'll be juniors. And then they'll be seniors. Well, they'll be fine. Uh, you know how else is a freshman and then a junior. Uh, and, and, excuse me, and then a sophomore and then a junior? Uh, Bo Nix. Yep. I mean, let's just let's call it what it is. I'm just I'm I'm concerned about Alabama's sustainability. I feel like and I felt like this after I'm pretty sure I said this. If you go back and listen all the way back in what would that have been uh, year three uh, after second and 26, I'm pretty sure I said something to the effect of we are in the twilight of this dynasty. We are seeing the waning years of this dynasty, and I feel like we're approaching the end a lot more quickly than people want to give credence and credit to. And I think, and I'm being sincere when I say this, if Saban gets a national championship next year, if he makes it to the stage, or in 2021, which is a year that I really think it could happen, if Alabama wins a national title then, Saban should bow out, call it a career. And I I hate calling a guy's number like that. But I think that would be the wisest thing he could do because I'm just not sure Alabama is going to be able to sustain this pace through the 2020s like they did through the 2010s. No, I'm with you. The days of them running roughshod over college football have been done. They've been done for three years. They've been done since they lost to Deshaun Watson. Right, four years, sure, yeah. You know, that, that's, it's, yeah, really, when they when they started losing to Ole Miss, they weren't really running roughshod over college. They won a couple titles. Um but even the years where we thought they were the best team in the country, that's not the years they've been winning the national championship. The last, the year they've been winning the national championship, right? The Jake Coker Alabama and the Jalen Hurts down 13 nothing at halftime Alabama, those are the surprise championships. The two years sandwiching that were, were, were supposed to be, you know, Alabama's the greatest thing that's ever happened, and then they lost. And so they're, they're, those days are done. Just the... Nobody's going to beat this team. It's going to take a Johnny Manziel godlike effort. It's going to take Cam Newton to beat this team. Those days are over. Alabama can be beat by a true freshman Bo Nix on the right Saturday. That That is true. Um, I've sort of had in my head, you know, for a while now, that well, once Saban gets one more, that's what he, he may come back after that. But that's when you start to see him ramp it down a little bit. Not, not in his work ethic, but just sort of maybe his brain starts to think. I... I I love Nick Saban. I love his process. I love what he does. Obviously, he's one of, if not the second best coach, maybe the probably, in my mind, the best coach that's ever coached college football. There's a reason he's so good. But he is also very obsessed with this record and beating Bear Bryant. You can't not convince me. He will never say it on camera. He would never say it around anybody that would repeat it to somebody else. Nick Saban is obsessed with getting that record. That's what he's going for. He's one away, and he's barely just not gotten it two times in three years now. Uh, I think the uh, yeah the thing that uh, is most telling to that is to today, today as we sit here on December tenth, twenty nineteen. ESPN released the tall the top one hundred and fifty college football coaches of all time. Right? They did one hundred fifty. Wow. This is 
this is the best 150 college football was, coaches of all was time. Was Gene Chizik on that list? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's 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 ridiculous. Or maybe it was top 10 in 150 years. Maybe it's something like that. But they kept flashing the 150 logo. I was confused. You know, if they, hey, if they did 150, that is some awesome research. And I bet that um, list is full of mistakes. I bet you could do it, though, honestly. You could. Would Gene Chizik be on the list? There aren't 150 coaches that have won national championships, right? So, <laughs> with that logic... I'm kidding, but whatever. I'm getting you off track. Keep going. Nick Saban finished second today in that. Behind? Um, Eli Drinkwitz. Thanks for taking a swig of your drink, by the way, in the middle of that. I thought, that you, I thought, you, were, I thought you were about to do a whole thing. No, I, it was a and a I was already... Hey, today, uh, by the way, uh, listeners of this podcast, friends, family, our podcast this week is brought to you by... Coke, Coca-Cola Cinnamon. Have you tried it? It's a limited edition Christmas flavor. It tastes the way you want potpourri to taste. Coca-Cola it's, Cinnamon. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's just, it's, you know what? It's fine. It's, it's good. Fine. No, it's fine. Can I it's enjoy it? May I, may, I, may I please enjoy it? No, I'm in a bad mood and you don't get to enjoy may it. May I please enjoy my beverage? Uh, rivalry week was pretty uneventful other than the Iron Bowl. Uh, you had Oregon taking care of Oregon State. Florida taking care of Florida State. Baylor taking care of Kansas. I hope my joke is landing. Clemson taking care of South Carolina. Michigan losing to Ohio State because I don't know if Michigan's ever going to beat Ohio State again. That's obviously a joke. Shea Patterson threw for 305 yards in that game, by the way. Okay, no, but that's a fun question that we're going to bring up because this we we like to spark discussion. And this would even be a good uh, Twitter poll that may be worth thinking about at some point. Does Michigan get a win over Ohio State in the next five years? I don't know enough about the recruiting process. Just with what you know about these programs, right? Ohio State's going to keep out recruiting Michigan if they keep winning. I think, uh, yeah. Five years is a long time. I think they'll get one. It's been what? The last time they beat them, it's been like 50. Not 50, but you get what I'm saying. Your your friend that's a Michigan fan needs needs, I want to know his answer on this. He'll chime in. He'll listen. But does he genuinely look at this and go, like, what what, what momentum does Michigan have that Ohio State doesn't? That You know, Harbaugh's days because, of glittering yeah, and getting on, recruits, hold on, hold on, hold his, on, his luster's hold on, gone. Hold on. You're talking about Ohio State like they're this unstoppable, unbeatable. They're a very complete team. We're about to go off on this in a second when we stop talking about games and start getting into the rankings. Ohio State should be third in this rank. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't get to be better than the defending national champion who proved time and time again this season, oh, by the way, we're still really good at football. Yeah, but I'm but not... they almost lost. No, Sorry, no, sorry. No, keep going. No. Keep going. But they almost lost to North Carolina. Nope. They didn't, though. 2009, Alabama almost lost to Tennessee and then went undefeated. Saban's only undefeated team ever, by the way. Ever. LSU has eviscerated pretty much every team not named Alabama that they've played. We'd like to remember the Auburn game a little bit closer than it was and the Texas game a little bit closer than it was. But I think LSU was still kind of trying to find their footing in that Texas game. Wasn't that like week two or three? Yeah, it was early. And then the Auburn game, Auburn scored a late touchdown. And I'm pretty sure, didn't they have like an onside kicker where they were driving or something late? So it made it look close. Like it wasn't close. I'm sorry. It's just not. Joe Burrow's lighting up the scoreboard. And then you go to Saturday. Right. 
you've got LSU playing Georgia in the SEC championship. This is supposed to be the Big Ten and the SEC are the best conferences in college football, right? We can all agree on that. Sure. There's there's no one saying that's not true, right? LSU goes out, hammers Georgia. I know Georgia's not great. They hammered Georgia. Are you going to sit there and tell me that Georgia's worse than Wisconsin? Because I don't buy that. I think they're similar. And Georgia's slightly better. Wisconsin put up a 14 spot on Ohio State before they even woke up to put the pants on and play the game. So sorry. But no, I think there's a lot more hope for Michigan than you're giving them credit for because I think a lot of this Ohio State team is dependent on two guys. But I wasn't. Justin Fields, who is a transfer, and Chase Young. I wasn't comparing, but I wasn't comparing Ohio State or Michigan to Clemson. I was comparing those two schools together, and what I see is is Ohio State. They for for the that northeastern part of the country, Ohio State is the team with every second, every modicum of momentum in that region, right? So you're looking at Michigan and you're looking at Ohio State. See Michigan for a minute, for a minute, for two or three years there even, they had the uh, they had the Harbaugh. You know, he still had some sparkle. There was some sparkle there. There was some momentum. Yeah, he's the new coach. He's the fun coach. You know, Urban Meyer. Okay, Harbaugh's in. And But that, that luster of Harbaugh joining Michigan has completely died down to the point where we are now on the downward slope of that. We're now on the downslope, right? His peak was preseason this year. This is Michigan's year. If Michigan's going to do whatever, it's going to be this year. They've got the okay, pieces. Okay, fine. They've got Patterson. Fine. And... We all expected Ohio State to take this huge step back, and all they did was be way better than they were last year. And but Michigan we expected Ohio State to take a step back because we didn't know what Justin Fields was going to look like. Or Brian Had anybody Day known what Justin Fields was going to look like, no one would have said they were going to take a step back. And I'm guilty as charged too. I said Ohio State was going to take. a I step I thought back. this was the year. We both said that. We both said that Michigan was going to beat Ohio State this year. You're right. But what I'm saying to you is, do you know who Michigan's backup quarterback is? It's uh, one of the Pat. It's one not Patterson. It's one of the uh, 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 McCaffrey kids. Okay, great. I didn't know that, so I don't. I don't have enough data on this to tell you who's going to be great five years from now. No, I Do don't. I think that Michigan is going to beat Ohio State within the next five years? Yeah, I'll take those odds. They've got to win one in the next five. Sure, I'll take them. Because let me tell you, the first quarter of the Ohio State Michigan game quote-unquote, the game, even though the game hasn't mattered to college football in, what, 15 years? But it's still the greatest rivalry in college football. Since Shut 2006, up. and Michigan lost that no, one. No, 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 it's not. It's not the greatest rivalry in college football. You're an idiot. You're a you're an idiot if you think that. But anyway, uh, to sit here and say that Michigan can't win one in the next five years is just... It's wrong. I'm not saying it's they wrong. can't, but I, do you believe that they will? Is this? Yeah, sure. Why not? Look, Ohio State's losing a lot on defense this season. Like, I, I don't know. I've got more faith in Michigan than I probably should, but I also think they need to get rid of Har- uh, Harbaugh. Yeah, that's the only way I'd say that I believe it, right? And I don't really, I don't. Here's another question. Is Harbaugh still there in five years? Oof. That's, no, because <laughs> I mean, it's one of the he he was the mega hire. He was the last probably mega hire in college, but maybe Jimbo to A and M that I can think of. Right, Saban was a mega hire. Um, Harbaugh to Michigan was a mega hire. You know, Ryan Day wasn't a mega hire. It was a uh, eh, kept 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 our guy on board. I don't know, man. That's just 
I got I I just have this bad feeling about Michigan and and how how I just I have this sort of they they reach the top of their bell curve and they're just gonna I, I feel a slight plummet coming and I could be way wrong because I've been I was way wrong on I called it with LSU and it didn't happen obviously well <laughs> in we, the complete opposite direction so we also both said that Michigan was gonna make the playoff we did year. that's why I'm pissed at them we also said well we. I also said that Texas trusted you, and you gave me this. That is mm, disgusting. Disgusting, man. All right, is there anything else from Rivalry Week you want to talk about? No, nothing else. Okay, let's move on to Championship Week. Uh, We're going to go Championship Week, and we're going to touch on it mainly for the purpose of discussing the college football playoff uh, and everything that happened. Game-wise, I will say this. Game-wise on Saturday for Championship Week was one of the most fun uh, championship weeks, I can remember. Yeah, I would agree. Wise. I would agree. Um, I do have a couple as... discussion questions I want to bring up with these games. Oh, well, I'll Let's do them when we get to them, but yes. All right, let's start off with the Pac-12 championship since it was Friday. Uh, Utah versus Oregon. Oregon wins 37-15, wipes Utah off the map. I mean, this one was over before it even started. By halftime, it was, it was all Oregon's game to lose. Um, I just think... Uh, uh, Tyler Huntley just never really got in a rhythm. He was the game's leading passer, which is confusing. Uh, but I mean, Oregon just Oregon and uh, CJ Verdell just ran all over Utah, who had boasted about and statistically had a very good uh, rushing defense this season. Um, so, Brick, what did you see from the Pac-12 championship? Did it, did Oregon? Super, super impress you? Did it make you forget about the Arizona State loss, or was Utah just that disappointing? I I would have told you if we if we had post- podcasted prior to because I was saying it at work and I can't prove it because I never put it on tape. But I would have told you going into this game that I saw this one coming a mile away. I I had no I I just did not ever fully believe that Utah was going to win. Just that moment for them, they're number five, right? They win and there's a good chance that you know Georgia's probably going to lose. They could slip up and get into the playoff. I just never, it just always felt to me like that moment was going to be too big. I I uh, love the Oregon offense, but I don't even like, I'm not even a Herbert guy. I don't know why Herbert gets so much hype and CJ Verdell doesn't. That's my thing. Verdell's been awesome. Every game I've watched him, every game I watch uh, Herbert, I'm just sort of, he's, he's just, ah, sorry, I'm getting off. He's just one of those guys, man. He makes three throws a game that make you go, nice. And then everything else is just average. Just a he's just a he's just a tall quarterback. He's a, he's Ryan Mallet, man. It's Paxton Lynch, buddy. It's just just you know I, I don't see it. I just don't whatever. I have a feeling the Dolphins are going to try to take that guy at four, and I'm going to be stuck with him on my NFL team for years. But um, hey, guess what? That's about you what I hear. Saw. Some uh, fun some, some fun news. What's that? Pats Interference listeners, you're about to get to hear something that I love doing to Patrick Brickman. This is this is an all-timer. Uh, do you want to know where Garrett Cole just went? Major League Baseball pitcher <laughs> did, Garrett Did he Cole. just sign with the Yankees? Nine years, baby. They got him for nine? Nine years, $324 million. I meant to text you this today because uh, I saw the rumors. So now that we're doing this, I actually was going to text you this today, and then I realized I didn't uh, talk to it. Okay, is Garrett Cole that guy? Like, is he... He's a good pitcher. He was awesome this year, maybe pretty good for the last two years. But this, if this is nine years, this is going to be over three hundred million. 
It's 324. Oh, 324. Hold on. Hold on. 324 <laughs> divided by 9. 36. Is Garrett Cole a $36 million <laughs> a year pitcher for nine years? This is why I love doing this Are to you? you. I mean, what do the Yankees have to lose? They they Every player in their infield makes this kind of money. But, like, $36 million for nine <laughs> years. It's not even, like, a two-year deal to try to, like, win My a champion. You're locked down to this dude for nine. And it's fine because CeCe Sabathia is off the books and, you know, we don't have to – Pretend like that contract doesn't exist for the last six years of it, but oh my goodness. My favorite part of this is that my wife will still be mad tomorrow that the Yankees traded D.D. Gregorius today. Yeah, well, how good for so There you go. Let's jump back into college football. Ohio State takes care of Wisconsin, kind of. Wisconsin had a 14-point lead at this game. I'm just not buying Ohio State. I, I just don't. I just, well, I buy them. I like them. I think they deserve to be in the top three. Earlier this week, I was saying that they deserve to be the number two team. I don't even really buy that anymore. Have you seen all this poor old Clemson stuff that Dabo's been feeding Clemson all season long? Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that. And they're favored in the game, by the way. Favored in the game. But he's telling them, oh, well, you're the first team since 1966 to go undefeated as a national champion, as a defending national champion and drop down from number one to number three. It literally happened to FSU like four years ago. Nah, dude. It ha- no, it, it happened in 2014. No. They no, were the defending national champs, didn't lose a game, and were the three-seed in the playoffs, and they were behind two teams that lost a game. Al- didn't they, hold on, didn't Florida State lose that year? No. Oh, they lost to Georgia Tech that year on the block. No, no, that was the next year. They went undefeated oh. for two years in a row. They, they had this record going forever. They were the, nobody had beaten them in forever and until Oregon beat them in the, in the playoffs. And Oregon was the two seed. FSU was a three seed, but Oregon had a loss. FSU had a loss. Sorry, Alabama had a loss. And 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 FSU was the third seed, and they went undefeated and won the rain and didn't lose. And two teams that lost were ahead of them. Dabo. Shut up, man. I love Dabo, but like, this is getting tiresome, man. Nobody. Uh, you know he listens played. to this podcast too. Like, dude, listen to me right now. All right, I don't want to have this plays. talk with you over Christmas. A tinier violin and a large castle more than Dabo Sweeney. Just poor old me. Why Why is the world so mean to me? This is unfair. Look at what they're doing to our boys. But you know and his kids are eating it up and it's actually playing wonderfully. Like you That's know. what I'm saying. Is like I don't think Ohio State is ready for the absolute ass-kicking that Clemson is going to try and... Uh, Travis Etienne may run for 600 yards against them. This is the third straight episode of this podcast, by the way, where I say sitting here today, I think Clemson wins the national championship. Yeah, I I don't blame you for thinking that. I cannot wait for the Clemson LSU national. It's gonna title be pretty game. awesome, isn't it? Death Valley versus Death Valley. That will be in 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 uh, New Orleans. Not that LSU played particularly well in New Orleans, the last championship game they played there, I'm about but. To say. Somebody, some ESPN guy, I think it was David Pollock, tweeted, and where's the championship this year? New Orleans. I was like, oh, that well, was great last time there, David. That was about a million years ago in football years, so we'll see. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> LSU's always going to LSU. Ages ago. Um, okay, so uh, we, we, okay. we touched. Okay, so Ohio State, Wisconsin. Um, yeah, they, I don't know. I guess Ohio State sort of felt like they had a shot at blowing it, even when they were losing. Did you ever? You never fell. Did you ever feel like they were going to lose that game? I never did. Yes, I did. 
You did. I, I truly did. Really? There were, there were, Wisconsin had five sacks in the first half, buddy. They had five in the first half. They had a 14-point lead. Ohio State finally pulled within three, and then Wisconsin ran down the field on one play and kicked, I think they either kicked a field goal or scored a touchdown right before half. And I was like, oh, this is theirs to lose. I mean, they had a lead. They had a lead. They did. Uh, it was it, well. I guess I, okay. It was fourteen seven. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering it. Um, but yeah, Wisconsin drove down the field. Uh, hold on, let me find this. Yeah, they had a touchdown with ten seconds left. That's right. That's right. Okay, so uh, Wisconsin was up fourteen nothing. Um, with 42 seconds left, J.K. Dobbins ran in the ball after a great 10-play, 70-yard drive from Ohio State, and it's like, okay, here we go. Now Ohio State's going to kick it into gear. They're not letting them take a lead uh, into half. Um, I'm sorry, they were up 21-7 at half because then, yeah, yeah they go down the field. Right. Four plays, 75 yards, and 32 seconds, and it's 21-7. And it's like, oh, my God, I mean, here I we saw go. All and that, then of course, but I still never thought they were going to lose. Just never really felt it. And I guess probably the reason I felt this way was because at that point I realized that, like, the worst thing that's going to come out of this is that Ohio State's going to have to wear their white shirts in their game. Because the farthest they're going to fall is three, right? Because they'll, they'll be one of two one-loss teams, and they're not going to fall farther than Oklahoma. So they'll go from – and I at that point I pretty much realized that LSU had wrapped up the one seed with the way they beat Georgia. So I was like – yeah. Okay, so instead of being the two seed, they'll be the three seed, and they'll still be playing Clemson, and they'll have to wear their whites instead of their reds. That's about where my mind was, so maybe I just didn't care. Maybe I was indifferent, but I also just was like, they're not losing. Yeah, no, I mean, I get where you're coming. Now, granted, when they came out, and it was it was very quickly, 21-14. Uh, yeah, it took a minute and 39 seconds. Uh, then they kicked a field goal. It was 21-17. I thought, okay, never mind. They're they're back, and then of course they just took off and left. Career high, two hundred ninety nine yards for Justin Fields. By the way, it'll be interesting to watch him next year because he comes in now as a as an actual star. He'll be a Heisman favorite, top three Heisman kind of guy, um, and and a and a big NFL prospect. You know, he he didn't have to be. He wasn't asked to do a lot this year, and he won't have to be asked to do a ton next year because they'll they uh, do they still have J.K. Dobbins? It doesn't matter. They'll have some other running back if they don't have it. It's just. I, I really like the way he plays in college, and I haven't decided how I think that will be in the NFL. But Lamar Jackson's sort of changing everybody's minds on what a quarterback can be these days anyway. That was just a little tangent I went on. I, I really want to talk about the SEC championship. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how Georgia just didn't show up at all, how uh, Edwards Hilaire only rushed for 57 yards and was the leading rusher in the game, and oh my God, Joe Burrow sealed his Heisman. He's got a um, 97% chance to win. Um, you have to bet $330 to win $10 on Joe Burrow winning the Heisman. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. 1 to Jake 33 Fromm, odds. Jake Fromm, yet again, uh, looks like a scared puppy dog. They threw the ball. So what have I been saying on the podcast about Georgia for the past month now, right? They don't want to throw the ball downfield. They don't want to right? throw it down the field. They won't do it. They will not throw the ball downfield, right? They won't do it. They never throw the ball downfield. What do they do? Three of their first five plays of the game. They're all 20-plus yard passes. What happens to all three of them? Dropped, overthrown, underthrown. I, you you complete one of those, it, changed the, it changes the entire tide of this game. Their receivers have been bad this year. They've been not just like, been, oh, they're young. They've been bad. 
They've been abysmal. They've been bad. And and didn't Pickens miss half this game? Yes. Their best receiver is a true half freshman. The game for, for, yeah, Georgia Tech, the Georgia Tech fight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Um, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I don't know what they have. Uh, I, do you think, okay, two, two discussion questions from this game. Um, but we should touch on the a little bit more on the brilliance of Joe Burrow, shouldn't we? I mean, my God. Talk about, I have never been so blindsided by the rise of a player. Yeah. He was a joke on this podcast. He was a joke in my office. He was a joke in my bathroom. That's weird. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I meant like like brushing my teeth and like going through about my day. Not like, I think about Joe Burrow while I'm taking a <laughs> shit. Like, I'd, whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, we got to start doing these earlier in the night. Uh, no, this is brilliant stuff. Um, as I make my own joke, then I get on my own podcast and call it brilliant stuff. I'm like the <laughs> Kanye West of podcasters. <laughs> Uh, which is a compliment silver. I'm also giving myself. No, but the the meteoric rise of a of, of just a guy that I thought sucked. I I thought I thought he's didn't think he was just hey he's pretty good eh, he's okay yeah he's a decent court. I thought he's I thought he sucked dude. I thought he sucked. I thought he was so bad and he's gonna good. do he's gonna do something that my man Tua never did. Not that yeah. I still think Tua wins it if he's healthy this year, but whatever. I digress. Yes, we all do. Yeah, we all do. But the thing is, here's... I'm not trying to bring Tua into this discussion. I, I, I'm really it's... trying to give Br- Joe Burrow every... And and here, I'll even sit on my... So before they go and have to potentially lose a playoff game, even though they're not losing to, to Oklahoma, um, I, I will... I've done it a few times, but I haven't really, really eaten my crow. And I'm going to own up to all the bullshit I said about LSU, right? When they kept Ed Orgeron, I sat on this podcast and I said, that is it. That is a nail in their coffin. I said, that is a nail in the LSU coffin. I said that them keeping Ed Orgeron while Jimbo goes to Texas A&M shows me that Texas A&M is serious about winning and LSU isn't. That's exactly what I said in a couple years. Texas A&M is going to surpass LSU as the second biggest power in the West. And LSU is going to fade back down into third, fourth, and fifth level. I said that. I believed it in my heart of hearts. And I could not have been more wrong. So I'm owning up to that. I wanted to, I wanted to put out everything. It's big of you. I wanted to say everything that I know I said and believed. And, there's st- and the problem about myself is I'm so stupid and prideful that there is still something in my head going, this is a flash in the pan. This is Gene Chizik 2.0. But I don't know that that's the case. But there's something in my head that keeps eating away at me saying that. And I think it's my Alabama bias. And I'll admit that too. But there's something in me that goes, they got Joe Brady. Joe Brady's going to be in the NFL in two years. Joe Burrow's going to be gone. They're going to go after some grad transfer. If that works or doesn't work, he's not going to be Joe Burrow. And they're going to have to be starting either Miles Brenner or Derek King next year. Or whatever they get. Uh, Mac Jones, <laughs> no, whatever, Talia Tungabailoa, and it's just... Talia, yeah. You know. Uh, here's here's my thing. Joe Burrow has been uh, incredible this season, um, and I, I, I like what you touched on with LSU. Let me give you an archetype of a team, and you tell me what team this sounds like from years past, say, two, three years ago, maybe even last year. A team who still likes to take their time getting to the line, line the ball up under center a lot, uh, they're a run first offense. Um, they don't really like playing up tempo. Don't really like running the read option. 
They've got a quarterback who can throw the ball if they choose to, but they just choose not to. Uh, and they have a really good run defense. And they win a lot of the games that they should win uh, by just doing enough to win them, right? And then the big games, they lay a complete egg. What team does that sound this is, like this to you? This is Georgia, right? That I'm currently talking about. But what team from the past does that sound like? That sounds like LSU. Well, you're correct because it is LSU. And what am I saying right now? That LSU adapted Georgia, with the times and Georgia doesn't? Georgia and LSU have flipped roles. Um, that that um, Kirby Smart is trying to build a 2011-2012 Alabama. And while that will be a good team, even Nick Saban has moved on from that. Yes. Georgia and Wisconsin and even, even, are the two teams that just refuse to change. But Wisconsin has more of an excuse, right? They're recruiting in Wisconsin. They're getting... Wisconsin guys like they're not gonna they're not gonna have a George Pickens right they're not gonna have a Sony Michelle and they're not gonna have a DeAndre Swift they have great running backs but they're not gonna have you know uh, guys that that uh, people in the 1970s could have never even dreamed of playing football right, right? George Pickens was was a was a I don't know a, a, an impact outside linebacker in the 70s now he gets to go be faster than everybody and play I'm getting off topic again. Uh, and even beyond that, Georgia has regressed this year. And that was one of my discussion questions I wanted to ask. This is going to be a long episode, by the way, people. Um, I'm up. having fun tonight. Are you having fun tonight? I'm having a blast. I'm actually, this is the my most, this, sleep, this is the most fun I've had podcasting and it's coming after an Alabama loss. I'm really enjoying this episode. I just want that to be said right now. Let's dive into it. Okay. So, so Georgia, I, I do believe at some point Georgia's going to get theirs. I do f- think that that's going to happen. And I guess that I'm saying that for the same reason that you said that Michigan will beat Ohio State at some point. At some point they have to. I think I really do be- believe that Kirby Smart's a championship-level coach. Um, he's going to keep learning on the job. He's, he's still a fir- this is still a first-time head coaching job, and look what he's doing. But there's, there's no doubt that Georgia did regress this year. The last two years they were... L- legitimate, and I know that they're number five, we'll get into that, but legitimate title contenders where people believe they could win the title all the way up to the final week of the season. Are you concerned about the regression we saw this year, or is this just a one-year yes. thing? No, this is this is proof to me that LSU is a rocket and uh, Georgia is a meteor crashing towards Earth, and this game is the point when those two things met, and one sailed past the other one as the other plummeted sadly back to Earth. It's it, it is what it is. You just saw it on the field. I I don't think that Georgia is going to recover unless they can do what LSU did and go get somebody who's offensively minded, pass first guy who can keep up with the times, which is something that Georgia refuses to do. Um. Yeah, your run defense is great. Edwards Hilaire ran the ball 15 times the other day. He only got 57 yards. He had no touchdowns. Guess who you didn't guard? Uh, the best player on the field, Joe Burrow. Didn't even look at him most of the game. I can tell because he had 350 yards against you. I mean, just lit him up. Just lit them up. Uh, so I, I'm worried about Georgia. I don't know if Kirby can get it done. And another thing that concerns me is this is the third year in a row where a, in a presser, after a big game, Kirby Smart has thrown his guys under the bus. Oh, I missed all that. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, somebody in the presser said something along the... You know what? Go ahead and go ahead and remind people of the last two years, or maybe even just last year's, when he threw somebody under the bus and what happened after that. 
Go ahead and remind people. I'm drawing a blank. You're going to have to keep helping me out here. Uh, it's going to be the fake punt. And Justin oh, that's Fields right. No, you're right. The, the, the fake right? punt. That's right. He called the dumbest thing in the world. And Okay, we talked about that on the podcast. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Now, And then what What happened? Justin Fields didn't execute. So what does Justin Fields do? He transfers to Ohio State and has the career of his life. Yeah, he's going right? to be in New York this weekend. He's not going to uh, win, yeah, but he'll be, he's in the Heisman Sarah. I mean, he's top four player in the country at the, at the end of the year, for Heisman voting at least. Um, but he said, the, the question was, Kirby, are you getting the most out of your talent? Nope. Ooh. Yeah. Like, that's, that's who, all he said. Who had the gumption to ask him that? I, I applaud whoever asked him that question. That's a great that's a good question. Gosh, man. That's it's, a good question. Let me tell you, I want to tell this – after a loss, it's it's a scary place to be in a press conference room, and it it, yeah, it, it takes it takes a few years on that. I'm not even there yet. I'll admit, like it takes a few years on that job to be able to. Uh, do you know how hard it would be for me to look Nick Saban in the face after the Iron Bowl and go, "What happened, bro?" That's essentially what that guy asked. Holy cow! Or maybe girl, a girl could ask. I've heard some girls ask. Uh, some some of these girls have more gumption than the guys, but I, I digress. Um, I would I would agree mostly with you. Except for the fact that a Georgia really full-on regression, right? Let's say Georgia slips. I don't think there's any way with what Kirby Smart is doing recruiting-wise ever slips them even past number two in the East, right? If, if, if Alabama takes a couple years off recruiting-wise or just starts losing, or Auburn, or LSU. Let's, let's use LSU for the sake of this argument because they are number one right now. Even if LSU bounces back to earth next year, or if they do, they could go as low as four. Right, let's say Texas A&M gets better, Alabama and Auburn are good. They could go as low as four, but there's no way that Georgia gets past, you know, maybe Florida beats them one year, and then, and they are recruiting still like wildfire. They're out recruiting basically everybody except uh, two other teams. But there, yeah, there has recruiting. I'm, they're recruiting great, but it's like Alabama kickers. When they get there, it's not happening. Right, there is some serious concern about about the way Kirby Smart has his guys ready for these big games. And just the way he coaches against teams with similar talent on the field, right? It's it it, it is true. You're right. You're right. I'll I'll say you are right because when he goes up against South Carolina and he's playing ten Tennessee and he's playing Nichols State and he's playing all these teams and they win like they should and some of them are even closer than they need to be. But you know they'll they'll beat Georgia Tech and they even beat Florida this year. They actually lost to South Carolina, but they keep losing the SEC championship games. They keep losing the national championship games. They, yeah. the, the only I mean, reason they, you know, they, they, they lost to Auburn. And then the only reason I, I, I think the only reason they beat Auburn in that SEC championship game was because Auburn came in with their two best players hurt. Auburn had all the uh, momentum in the world that season. They, yeah, they did. But I think Auburn was also looking past, uh, Georgia in that game. Mm, I don't know. Carry on Johnson um, was barely carry on Johnson was the reason they beat Alabama and he could barely move. Yeah. So anyway, I think uh, I, I think this was very telling for both programs. And, uh, you know, I said it a lot this year. I'll buy LSU when they show me something and they've showed me something this year and I'm buying them. So I'm going to say it again for Georgia next season, and the season after and the season after that, when they sell me something that I can buy, I'll buy it. But right now you've showed me that you can't get it done in the big games. You can't do it. I haven't seen you do it since you beat Oklahoma in the semis. Period. Clemson upsets Virginia 62-17. to 17. Trevor Lawrence throws for 300 yards. Travis Etienne runs for 114. T. Higgins has 182 yards. 
182 yards. Oof. And the sleeping giant that is Clemson sits at number three in this college football playoff ranking. And that's not good for the rest of the country. Let's move on to the team that is number four in that ranking, though. Talk about Oklahoma versus Baylor Part 2, another thriller. Jalen Hurts gets it done in overtime despite coughing the ball up, I think, twice in this game. Uh, and turnovers have been his Achilles heel this year. Brick, does Oklahoma have any shot of upsetting LSU in the playoff? No, this is nice. I mean, this is nice for Oklahoma that they that they made the playoff. They got to be the fourth. A lot of teams are jockeying to be the team that gets crushed by the number one seed, right? Because there is there's a top three this year in college football and a huge drop off right now, especially since Tua got hurt. Huge drop off after that. So huge drop off. Um, it's good for Oklahoma and. They're not going to beat LSU, but this does give them momentum. They, they, they're going to the playoff for the third year in a row, and I think they will continue making the playoff at better than a 50% clip as we move on. Um, Lincoln Riley has enough going for him that he's going to keep dominating that conference. Uh, Texas did not give him any issues this year. I mean, I know that Texas almost beat him. None. Well, not almost beat him, but they, they can, he's got his thumb over the Big 12. Um Jalen's going to leave, and Jalen was the perfect bridge quarterback to get Spencer Rattler, and now they're going to have a guy start for the next two or three years. Uh, and he was the number one quarterback in last year's recruiting class. Um, Spencer Rattler's a really good quarterback. Got a cool name, by the way. Um, so, no, they don't have a shot. I, I, I'm a little happy for Oklahoma, for a program that I don't really root for, but I kind of adopted this year because of Jalen. Um, it's a cool moment for them, but... LSU kind of has the, uh, they kind of have the, the luxury that Clemson had last year where they know that they're, they're going to beat Oklahoma, right? Clemson knew they were going to beat Notre Dame. We all knew. Everybody knew it. Everybody's mom knew it. And, uh, LSU kind of gets to start game planning for the other two earlier than anybody on that staff would ever admit. I think this is the first year in the playoff that the number one seed has been so coveted. Right. Yeah. It, it has been so vital and so important uh, in a, re- a, a reason that a lot of Ohio State fans feel like they've been gypped. A lot of Clemson fans feel like they've been gypped. Um, but, you know, LSU consistently had the best season across the board in my mind. I, I know, again, we can sit here and talk about Ohio State and the most complete team and all that. LSU went out and beat better teams. That's what it comes down to. They went out, they beat better teams. You're going to sit here and tell me that Penn State's as talented as an Alabama or an Auburn. No, you're not. You can't. You're going to tell me that Minnesota's as good as a Florida or an Alabama. No, you're not. You can't. Hey, They're um, not. Garrett Cole has an opt-out after his fifth year because Garrett Cole is going to decide to opt out of his nine-year $324 million contract at any point during those nine years. <laughs> This just in. That's what I got from ESPN. This just in. Garrett Cole might leave, what's 36 times 5 on the table. You you know, Memphis and Cincinnati was a pretty good game, too. Sorry, after his fifth year. So that would be, (laughs) sorry, this just in. Garrett Cole might leave $144 million on the table. He might opt out of 100. No, God, no. He won't be a $36 million pitcher in five years. He'll be taking that till he dies. Memphis needed one last drive down the field make sure that they beat Cincinnati for the second time <laughs> in two weeks. They did a great job doing it. Brady White uh, played a horrible first half, figured it out in the second half, 
including a, uh, a, a, a couple nice little pass plays. A couple nice little pass plays here and there. Uh, 29-24, this is a weird game, though. Wow, you went to work it, on watching some of these games. I didn't, no, I didn't watch a second of this one. Well, my wife had gotten teeth ripped out of her head and was sitting here on ibuprofen sleeping for about 18 hours, so I had a lot of downtime to myself. Uh, and it was lovely. It was it was a great day. But I think uh, I, I think Brick, we're going to move away from conference championship week. We've we've talked about pretty much everything we can talk about with it. Um, App State won its third straight. It's pretty sweet. Um, but Brick, I want to talk a little bit about the playoff ranking, and more than the playoff ranking, I want to talk about playoff expansion. Right? You have been a proponent of non-expansion for a long time yes i don't think i don't think this is a year that you can make an argument that there needs to be an expansion to eight teams we can both agree on that yes yes this this is a year that does strengthen my argument when you have a ucf who goes undefeated when you have a memphis that has one loss is there any inkling in you that makes you feel like the group of five should get some sort of shot at this playoff um I mean, in the because past, because the only way to do that is to expand it to eight teams, declare a group of five champion, and send them into the playoff as the sacrificial lamb every year to the first seed. Because let's face it, a group of five team is not going to be ranked above a power five at large. It's not going to happen. I've st- a lot of my group of five qualms are that I don't care about them. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm I'm trying to be more open. But with- I hear you. I hear what you're saying. My fear of doing eight, well, one, I mean, I yes, oh, God, I saw a 16-team playoff on Twitter today. Oh, don't even I, get me I started. saw your tweet about that. Right, right, right. Very and, salty. And no, no, By the way, you can follow Pat's Interference <laughs> on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. Um, Go ahead. But, and I don't think many people are saying we need to move to 16. And, and the people that do don't watch the sport. Um, really, my fear, I just, I don't. I just feel like we've reached that happy medium of uh, that, that, that middle as much of a middle ground as we can get in this weird convoluted sport that doesn't, you know, you get 126 teams that play 12 games, right? This isn't like other leagues, right? This isn't like bat and in, in football, you play, you play 12 games. This isn't like basketball where you have 40 games to figure out teams get 12. And I just, this weird convoluted sport, I, I feel like we've reached this happy medium where those 12 games still really ultimately matter every single week, and we're giving the best teams all a fair shake. The best every year. Yes, okay, we'll have to argue between a couple teams every single season. That's part of the sport. That's part of all sports. But Can you imagine this year as a BCS year? If we are, yeah, well, that that's, and that's why this year could not have been a BCS. This would have been the year that broke it, if not any other one. But like, let's just play a game, right? Let's say for whatever reason, this year, we go eight conference champions, Virginia beats Clemson and we get Virginia in the playoff. But you have to keep Clemson in as one of the big, one of the at-large teams. And then that ACC championship meant nothing. So a lot of people are saying kill the conference championship games. Because, I mean, look at it. You've got Georgia and LSU. They're both still in the top eight. You've got Virginia and Clemson. That was a slaughter. There was no need to play that game. Oklahoma and Baylor, both still in the top eight. 
Like it's it's just Ohio State Wisconsin. That game was pretty much a. I don't want to say. What do we do? What down. do we do in Alabama and Georgia? Make Georgia make it through both unbeaten. What do you mean? Then yeah, they're they're both in. That's it. I see what you're saying. They would both be in, but there would be no conference yeah, like champion. Yeah, it doesn't. And it, so you'd never declare. You wouldn't just declare. You wouldn't do it sort of like the Big Twelve does it or used to do it. We're like the best team. Yeah, you know? no, you just you just don't have a conference champion. You just take the top eight teams. I've even seen probably one of my favorite things I've seen is you get rid of conferences completely and you have pods, geographical pods. That'd be fun, but uh, it won't happen. It won't happen, but the theory works. <laughs> All the California teams are in a pod. The rest of the Pac-12 splits up into another pod. The SEC, the S, the East and the West split up into pods with rotating teams from cross division. Like it just made sense. We'll never go to it, even though it's more logical. And that's what I'm worried about with this four team playoff and this eight team playoff is we're doing things because we've always done them in college football instead of trying to evolve to get the best games and the best champions year in, year out. But I think we've done that with four. I really do. I, th- I Yeah, no. And I, I think, yes, you're right. At the same time, you look at, and let's transition now into sort of the next topic I wanted to talk about. The final rankings that came out were atrocious. They're, they're illogical. I don't understand. The one that sticks out like a sore thumb to me is Penn State at 10 and Georgia at number 5. So you're telling me a Georgia team that lost to South Carolina, who's terrible, and got blown off the face of the earth by LSU, is the fifth best team in the country. You're going to tell me that they are better than Oregon, Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, Utah, bless you, Auburn, Thank and you. Georgia. Or Auburn and Alabama. Now, granted, I know they beat Auburn, but again, they did just enough to beat Auburn uh, before Auburn had pretty much figured it out. Yes, they beat Florida. They did just about enough to beat Florida before Florida had figured it all out. So I don't care if you have Georgia ahead of Florida and Auburn. You can't tell me that they're better than Oregon or Baylor right now. Can't do it. My 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 problem with Georgia, and I know it's hard to do because, like we said, three teams then a major drop off. But it's just it's the fact that it's Georgia, and then Auburn and Alabama, seven and eight spots below them. Georgia, Florida, yes. Auburn, and Alabama all need to be very close. Whether that if that starts at ten, that's different in my mind. It's just the way that they're separated. Right, because you do yeah. have to put the Pac-12 and the other teams. And yes, I know we're we're splitting hairs, but it's just. The, here's how it should have gone. I'm sorry, but this is this is your uh, this should be your, your ranking: LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. I would flip those two, but again, we're splitting hairs at that point. Oklahoma, those are your top four. No one's arguing those, right? Everybody's pretty much in agreement with those. Nobody thinks that somebody should have gotten in over Oklahoma, right? Right. Where nobody watches all you the, gotta, the show. All you got to do is flip Baylor and Georgia and slide Wisconsin up one. So you go Baylor at five, or yeah, Baylor at five, because who is Baylor's only two losses this season? It's the same team who's in the playoff. Okay. So to me, that's saying, okay, Baylor's good enough to be up there. So you've got Baylor, Oregon, Wisconsin, Georgia at eight, then Florida. That makes sense because Georgia beat Florida. Then I would slide up Auburn and Alabama to the 10-11 spot, and then you put Utah, Michigan, Notre Dame, and you just go right down through the rest of the list. The rest of the list I don't really have an issue with, except uh, I think Minnesota slid too far. I don't see how you put Minnesota behind Iowa. I don't see how you put Minnesota behind Notre Dame. 
it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, this final ranking just felt like something where the committee went one through four and went, and the rest of them. Yeah, and I think genuinely it was the committee just trying whatever they needed to do to keep Alabama out of a New Year's Six. Yeah, I, 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 I really think that the, part of it. I think a lot. I know that this is uh, the world revolves around me as an Alabama grad um, take, but I just I think a lot of this just revolved around because they're a hard well, they're a hard ass team to rank. I'll give you that. Their two losses are by eight points to Auburn on the road and LSU at home by five, and LSU's crushed everybody. But, and then beyond that, and you can look at those losses and say, those aren't bad losses, but you also can't look at their quote-unquote good wins. I get that they're a hard team, and you have an argument either way, but I don't know that anybody sitting on their couch today thinks that Alabama's the, that there are 12 teams in the country that would just no doubt beat Alabama. Nobody looks at Wisconsin and goes, they would beat them seven times out of ten. Penn State. Penn State. Baylor, even Oklahoma. I bet you if you asked most people, they'd say, yeah, Bama would probably beat Oklahoma. But you just can't do it. And I know they say they put the best four teams, and I'm not even lobbying for Alabama in right now, but it's a weird, convoluted sport. It's it's lonely on the mountaintop. I think Clemson's about to find this out, too. Um, I think Clemson, especially if they win one more this season, people are really going to start getting tired of Clemson and finding reasons to keep them out and keep them out of things, vote them out of things. I think they're starting to see it a little bit now. Travis Etienne uh, not being invited to the Heisman ceremony is ridiculous. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, and Jonathan Taylor all left at home. Come on. Stop it. One of those guys has to be invited. But what I was about to say is you saw more tweets, or at least I did, about how Alabama didn't get in. This is the first time they haven't been in the playoff. This is the first time they've been uh, outside of the college football top 10. This is the first time they've been out of the AP. You saw so many of those tweets after the Iron Bowl loss. I saw more of those than I saw about, uh, about uh, you know, Auburn playing a great game against Alabama and having good schemes and a nice little trick play at the end to seal the deal. I saw more of that. There's a tweet that you sent me about Joe Burrow had the season of his life. Beat Alabama is one of the top things on the list. It's lonely on the mountaintop. People do not want to see Alabama succeed anymore. They're sick of it. They're over it. I can't say that I blame them because everybody hates a winner, and I probably hate whoever it would be if it were a, a Notre Dame or a Michigan or, right. you know. The way I hate the Patriots. Sure. Right. Exactly. People hate the Yankees. People hate Duke basketball. They hate the Patriots. They hate Alabama football. It's just, it's just, but the thing that was really, really telling to me was the amount of people that were just cheering because Alabama was not in the playoff and how funny they thought that was. It's lonely on the mountaintop. Clemson's about to find out. They're about to find out. And it's, it's going to be an interesting off season of how Alabama takes this sort of season ending and whatever happens in the Citrus Bowl happens. I'm not expecting a lot for Alabama, but they could come out and do what they did in 2010 and just drum Kirk Cousins. They they do match. Um, I do think they match up well with Michigan. I do too, but we'll get to that in a, in a different episode. I think my point is right now, Alabama's got a lot of self-convincing they need to do of either, okay, you're now the underdog and you got to fight back, or you got shoved out because of some BS injuries, show everybody who the boss is. This offseason for Alabama is more important than any. And I know I'm going off on a tangent right now, but being ranked 13th, not only, not even being ranked 13th, being ranked 13th under the teams that you ranked, right? Behind the teams that you ranked. 
is it's a slap in the face and you have to view it that way. Um, next season has to be a massive change for Alabama. Period. It's, it's it's the committee making a making an, a statement on what they think you are right now, so they they should. Yeah. And hey, I hope our next so, episode look, we, we're sitting we talk down talking about too? all the guys that said they're coming back. But can we talk a little bit too about Mike Greenberg's tweet that I went off about? Oh, that was gonna off. be that was gonna be my sound off today. But yes, okay, never mind. I'll save it then. We'll save it. I'll let you take that. Um, I, I went off on it, and I'm sure you and I had the same thought, but it was the worst take of all time. It was Danny Cannell Skip Bayless bad. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, but he's not the only one that did it. His is just the one that I've seen a lot of it. Anyway, um, okay, we did that. We talked rankings. Uh, let's talk a couple coaching hires. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but um, I'm going to go off on drink wits for my sound off. So I'm going to save right. that. That's right. Um, uh, FSU hires Norvell. I'll give a thought on that. Uh, FSU didn't botch. They didn't botch. The the end result wasn't botched. I think he's a good coach, and he was probably one of the better names out there to get. But I am not happy with how they went throughout that search. Terrible. Um, Go on. Mid-season firing of a coach. We all knew that he was, you know, his days were numbered. But mid-season firing. When you, got, when you get rid of a guy mid-season, in October, they still had a month left. They still had a few games, three games maybe on the schedule. You you need to be telling your fans that you have a plan, right? That's what that means. We have a plan. We have a guy. You need to have a Arthur, right? You need to have a guy. You need to have a guy in mind because just have some faith. (laughs) Exactly. I have a plan, Arthur, and that you know. um, So where was I going? You know, you get rid of Tagger, but there there are recruits on this on the, that are committed to Tagger. They're not committed to whoever you have next. So then they start dropping like flies, and you take those lumps. Everybody thought it was Bob Stoops, and it's just you had all these promises, and they hired a coaching. You know, they hired a search firm. They spent all this money to get a guy they could have gotten if they just waited to get rid of Taggart after the Florida game and cut it there. I don't know. This was bad. Uh, I do think Norvell's a decent hire. We'll see. It'll get him better. I don't know if he's going to get him back to being a contender. They had. They do have to go up against Clemson in their division. Uh, the hire that I really don't like is is Arkansas. Yes. Um, Sam Pittman, offensive line coach. For everything I know, that what what Arkansas is trying to do, I'll tell you right now what they're trying to do. I, whatever. They probably got turned down by five or six guys. Right, you would agree with that. They they probably did. Yes. Right, they they probably asked some guys. They probably asked uh, Houston Nut. Whatever. Yeah, these guys. You know, Lane Kiffin sort of used them to get more money. He's at Ole Miss. If you haven't heard, everybody knows. Um, Lane Kiffin leveraged them to get more money from Ole Miss. That's fine. They're hoping that the Sam Pittman guy is is there at Orgeron. Ooh, that's what it is. It's it's it's. Hey, we you know well they you know LSU has sort of a players coach you know he's an lsu man right he's rah rah guy and that's what they did they just were like, all right screw it okay everybody's saying no to us we, we got to get a guy i mean we got signing day in a week like let's get the arkansas guy you know the rah rah guy if he's not gonna say no and you know we'll frame it as that we wanted our arkansas man um i feel more i feel more confident uh saying that this is a mistake than than i you know i feel like i'll come out on top i said or's ryan was a mistake and i it's the dumbest thing i've had on this podcast to date but i feel a little bit Maybe. more confident saying that uh <laughs> I, I think uh, i think it was very I, I don't remember the last time i saw an offensive line coach 
go from an OL job to a power five head coaching job. Exactly. No coaching experience. At least Orgeron had other jobs that he could learn from. Right. But this right. is just... I mean, he's going in... The, and he's going to be coaching in the West, dude. He's going to be coaching in the West. Arkansas shot themselves in the foot for a he's very, very long time. He's coaching against Saban and Orgeron and Malzahn and Jimbo and Kiffin now. Not that, you know, Kiffin's fun. Kiffin, what do you think about I the mean, Kiffin thing? I think it's going to end horribly, and it's going to be hilarious to watch like it always is with Ole Miss. I, I think they're going to be very, very good um, in about four or five years. They'll flirt with an eight, nine win season, maybe even knock off an Alabama or an LSU one of those years. And uh, then in a couple of years, it's going to end horribly, horribly wrong. And Lane Kiffin will either get fired or leave in disgrace and go take a head coaching job at FIU this time. <laughs> um, so let's say, let's say he gets Ole Miss playing pretty well. Is this an end job for Kiffin? Is this a is this a long term deal? Because I just Kiffin loves Kiffin loves the spotlight, and I think if he starts winning at Ole Miss and other schools start going, hey, this because you know Kiffin's a great football mind. He's obviously well thought of. This is his, you know, fourth big time coaching job in his career, right? Tennessee, USC, Ole Miss, and and NFL. Like he coached the I Raiders. Think that- I think I could see Lane Kiffin pulling a C- Steve Sarkeesian at some point. A little bit of success, leave the college game to go to the pros, get smacked down again, come back to college football to try and restart this coaching carousel thing. Here's, I mean, I I just don't see Lane Kiffin ever just landing somewhere and stopping. Here's what you think of your Ole Miss. This is what you're hoping. You're hoping that he's done enough damage to himself that he'll never be interest, draw interest from a USC-level job again. Because Ole Miss knows they're not USC. I, I, and I believe this. I don't think Kiffin's an idiot. I really don't think he's a moron. No, I don't either. I think he's a football. I do, I do think he is a football genius, a football man, and a man that you want on a staff somewhere. As a head guy. Genius is tough, but yeah. As a head guy, he's one of the more brilliant offensive minds in, in the sport. I do think that. I really do think he can take a little and turn it into a lot. Or with the right circumstances, you have to hope that he's learned like Orgeron. You have to learn that, that he's that he's learned enough from his old mistakes that he'll that that he'll be able to galvanize that into a decent head coach somewhere. Get a good staff around him; they can start winning some games. But we'll see. It's hard to see Kiffin being that guy. Could you imagine that man holding up a trophy? Whew! I'm not saying that this is the hire that gets Ole Miss a national championship. Just. This is what Ole Miss has to hope because it's fun. It's fun. Like Kiffin's in the SEC again as a head coach. That's fun, dude. It's fun. It's fun. We're we're in for a we're in for a wild ride. I'm actually looking. uh, And 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 the biggest mistake is that we didn't get Mike Leach to follow. That's a biggest swing and a miss. By the way, I set all this up. Why 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 is nobody hiring Bill Clark? I don't know. I love Bill Clark. Genuinely about to ask you that. I love that man. He is awesome. And, and I'm, not, he, I'm not trying to hoard the coach out anywhere. Like, I'm not trying to sell him to other a schools. A 49-6 loss in the conference championship doesn't look great. It's whatever. It's F, Here's the thing. You, you probably don't realize this. UAB lost somewhere between 26 and 36 seniors last year. Mm. That's a lot. of. They were supposed to be bad this year. We all knew it. And we felt this way last year, like, man, Kiffin didn't, or not Kiffin, sorry, 
you know, Bill Clark didn't get the job, you know, the big job, right? He, he's going to be at UAB for a while now because that ship has kind of sailed. The things didn't line up for him, and uh, UAB is going to take a We all thought UAB was going to take a big step back, and then they are. Ten-win season in the cards, and, uh, you I, know, a I, shot I really think Arkansas should have gone after him. I do, too. I and maybe would. I, I, liked, I would like to think that maybe he turned them down. Um, he is from Alabama. I just, he's a great, he's an awesome coach. Like he's, he's a good coach. If I could, if I could pick right now an offensive coordinator for Alabama, I would say, go get Bill Clark. I really, I would, that's the guy I would want coaching that defense. He's awesome. Um, again, I, I want him to stay as long as possible because I genuinely, genuinely enjoy covering him and his team. But also at the same time, I really want to see him succeed at a higher job. And I just don't understand why Bill Clark with what he's done, I know a lot of people don't pay attention to UAB. They didn't have a football team four years ago. They went two years when they didn't play football because this great state of Alabama decided to destroy their football program. They came back, immediately made a bowl their first year, won a bowl, their first ever bowl game, something they'd never even done in the years of football before that. I just, whatever. You're right. I know. You're right. Let's transition. Uh, we're not going to do bowl previews tonight. We will save that for next week or the week after we have the holidays coming up and everything like that, but we will do it shortly. Um, bowl preview episodes always fun for us. Uh, we don't really take ourselves too seriously when it comes to bowl season. God, I'm bad. Uh, we have at, made I'm, it. I will say I'm bad at predicting bowls. <laughs> I do terrible. We're, ba- we're bad at it. I we're bad at it. We're pretty good at predicting the playoff, but pretty bad at predicting bowls. So expect two more episodes. I'd say before this season wraps up, um, we're still, debating whether or not we're going to do the patties this year. Uh, I like it. I know Brick likes it. It's just about finding the time to do it. Um, that's that's far off from now. We will do a bowl preview episode hopefully next week. Uh, Brick, I'm going to go ahead and give my sound off, and then I would like you to give yours. Yes. Uh, this is a nice transition from the coaching conversation. What did Eli Drinkwitz do to deserve a Power 5 job? An SEC job, the SEC. no less. I don't, I just, I don't get it. I, I understand he won 12 games. Okay. I get it. That's, that's very impressive. He won another conference championship for App State. That's awesome. He won it not with his system, not with his players, not with his recruits. All he did was not mess something up and got elevated to the top. And then today in his opening press conference said that he couldn't wait to win a championship in the Sun Belt. He did, didn't he? So bad. Eli, what are you doing? And it, App State's not even that upset about him leaving either. That's how confident that App State team is, by the way, who lost one game this season, the game I was at where it snowed. They got triple option to death. It was incredible. Go ahead. Your sound off. Uh, yeah, so you, you mentioned um, the Greenberg tweet, and he's not the only one. He's the one I responded to, and a lot of people responded to, but this... I, I responded a few times. This This idea... And, and you see it a lot. It 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 is just. It, but he falls under that umbrella, of just the lazy college football fan that doesn't really watch, checks the box scores the next day, maybe sees a couple highlights, and then he. But unfortunately, he has the unfortunate task of having to go be a quote unquote uh, not expert, but just you know he's a he 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 has to talk about it on camera or on tape. You know he's a radio guy, I guess. But like, he definitely does have a radio face. This this. What did I call? I called it tired, uneducated, overdone 
and just flat out wrong take that 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 you know that look you know look Alabama's out of the playoffs but Jalen is look who had the last laugh like like last laugh like like the the it's wrong on so it's multiple levels it's wrong on like Jalen leaving Alabama had anything to do with this team not being in the playoff right now for one for one that's one thing right the reason Alabama's not in the playoff isn't because Jalen Hurts left the team that because to go with that you know he's he was never going to stay as the backup as a as a as a graduated college student a student that had his degree he was not going to stay in this sport as a backup why would you expect him to and at the same time if you're going to understand that he's not going to stay as a backup once he has his college degree his effing college degree and he has free reign to go to any place he wants and start why would he stay? And once you understand that, you also have to realize he wasn't going to start at Alabama. Nick Saban wasn't going no. to start him. He wasn't. And that's that's a part that's a part that angers me is the people looking at Nick Saban going, "Look what you did, you idiot!" Like, this yeah, guy like, could have like, led you like to he, a playoff. Like he mismanaged it. Do you know what Nick Saban was able to manage? He was able to manage keeping him for another year after everybody after the embarrassment he suffered in the national championship game. He was able to keep that embarrassment at bay and keep supporting that man in every interview he ever did, talking about how much he loved him, kept him buying into the program, telling him how valuable it would be to stay in the program and get his degree. Telling him all these things, supporting him, and keeping Tua afloat there too during all this confusion, keeping him for a whole nother year in a world where he can transfer and he probably would have played anywhere. They would have probably granted him his waiver anyway. He kept him there as a backup, gave him his redemption story, and then said thank you so much. And both men still love Nick Saban to death. He constantly talks about rat poison and everything that he learned when he was in Alabama. It, and now he's going to be a Heisman finalist. That's what Saban managed, is helping a guy stay and get his degree and now go set himself up, and he's got his degree, he's going to be a Heisman finalist, and he is infinitely better pro prospect now. It is insane to me that people think that there's this animosity, that there's this mismanagement like, that happened because he like, left. There doesn't always have to be, when, when players transferred too, I, I feel like there's this connotation of, oh, well, it was a huge fight. Well, they didn't get along. And you're right. About 60% of the time, that's the case. Is it, it ends pretty ugly. It's like divorce. Sometimes, though, mom and dad just don't love each other anymore. And that's okay. But he loves... He loves... He just... He just... What, he no, 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 no. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is it wasn't a non-amicable thing. Amicable thing. Which is what everybody wants to drive this huge point home that Jalen left Alabama pissed off and Saban hated him and didn't want to start him. It's not how it was. That's just, it's just, that's the way things went. He had to transfer. It's okay. Yeah, it's just, he had graduated. He got his degree. He spent three years at Alabama. He's a, he's a college graduate, but two is, nobody's arguing, nobody should ever argue that he should have started yeah, Jalen so, over so Tua. And if Saban you do that, then you should, then you the should never tweet about this team again. So Saban was supposed to start the guy who didn't set multiple NCAA records. Right, that, that went on and rewrote the record books at Alabama in less than two seasons of starting. Okay, you're an idiot if that's what you believe. And it's just... Here, yeah. and here's, here's I'm going to take it one step further before I'm done because I'm actually getting myself heated because I just hate seeing it because Jalen's such a good dude 
and he handled it so well, and Nick Saban handled it so well, and Tua handled it so well, and it should be in a movie one day. So these people that want to throw this idea out there that this was at all a negative in either team's season isn't is just it makes me mad. But I I, I hate seeing that. While at the same time, no nobody's criticizing the the management of the uh, of the Fromm and Field situation at Georgia, right? Yep. At least when Jalen played last year. Saban had actual packages for him. He played in moments that mattered, and he was set up to have moments where, and he did have moments that mattered. He got that he got that team an SEC championship. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Um, where you could argue that Kirby Smart just sort of inserted Fields into games just just to maybe hopefully keep his interest, but he didn't he didn't have any really role on that team. Then he threw him under the bus in the SEC championship for the fake punt. Did he not? You brought it up already. He and did. then Jalen, then Justin Field left, and you know how he got his waiver? He found some loophole saying that he was mistreated somewhere at the University of Georgia, and that's how he got his waiver. Now that how is that less mismanaged in people's minds than what happened down between Saban, Tua, and Jalen? It's in, that that that's not being talked about, right? Because I think at this point we all agree that Fields is the much more talented quarterback in that quarterback room. There's one yes. there's one year splitting them, but nobody's gonna argue that Fromm is a better quarterback than Fields anymore. Right? And maybe that was different when he first got there. Saban actually had the balls to play the better quarterback and to keep this thing rolling the way it needed to be. Kirby did not. Kirby threw his guy under the bus. Kirby didn't give him a role. Good job. Thank you. You did great. Hey everybody, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. It's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Or you can email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. Or visit us on Twitter at P-I underscore podcast. Brick, this was a lovely episode, my friend. It really was. was a long one that I was dreading for a while, but it was was actually a blast. I'm pretty sure my wife's going to kill me, but that's okay. And I love doing this podcast with my best friend in the whole world. In the whole world. What's better than this? Guys being dudes.